Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Week 3 Ranks. I am Chris Welsh, joined by Brandon Funston. Same thing on the Twitter handle. You can find me at IsItTheWelsh. There's no Jake Seeley, but Jake lives on TheAthletic.com. Go over there, sign up today, get access to the waivers and the ranks. We did the waivers episode earlier in. Well, now you got the ranks already available for you. You can get all of that goodness. And Jake did follow through. I said, yeah, why don't you do the SpongeBob songs? And that is exactly what he is doing, the top 10 SpongeBob songs, which he got wrong, which, you know, I know it's subjective, but he's wrong. So he didn't, (laughs) he had the not correct answer at number one, but you guys go and decide. Plus, maybe you can peruse a few of the ranks. Uh, Brandon, are you ready to dig into what feels like a very weird week? We are coming off of maybe the two biggest fab uh, blowouts, I think, from week one to week two. If you thought the Pukunakua week one into two waiver dollars were spent, then I got something to sell you on Jerome Ford. I play, and it's an ind- the industry league, the pentathlon, $88 of 100 Jerome Ford went for. And that's kind of the consensus story around the land. I just don't recall, and maybe it's recency bias, I just don't recall two straight weeks to start a year with fab blowing players back to back. I mean, there probably is, but I'm just not remembering. Yeah. I, what I found about us in the fantasy industry is we all have very short memories when it yeah. comes to year to year. Like I'm sure it's happened. It happens. Cause there's always, there's always major injuries in the first couple of weeks and there's always, but you know, at least we know it's, this is no different, uh, no less than any other year and, and maybe more than some, but, um, I, I'm I'm lamenting no Puka Nakua shares. I'm not lamenting no Jerome Ford shares, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, like I I do not think he was the guy to just and there was. The but I also on. think there's a lot of people, and this happens all the time, where people told themselves a story about Puka, like no, I don't need to do that. There's a lot of people that were also shaming people, like don't do this, Cooper Cup, blah, blah. And then week two, he gets 20 targets. And I think there's a FOMO. There's a like, oh, I missed. And I'm, you know, people told me we missed and blah, blah, blah. So now let's make sure we don't miss because we just lost Nick Chubb for the season. And now Jerome Ford is in there. And I think that that FOMO creates these type of moves and it, it'll you know, we'll see. We'll see where it is, if that's going to be wrong or right. Uh, We're going to go through some of the latest news. We're going to be comparing our ranks up against Jake, uh, kind of a little preview into the rank article. And that's everything that we're doing in this episode. But jumping into that first piece of news kind of comes about the subjectiveness. I said this as a kind of an affirmative on Tuesday. I think most, it wasn't me special to it. Most people kind of assume this is going to happen. And it did that the Browns were going to host Kareem Hunt. They did, and they signed him uh, as we're recording this on Wednesday, they made that signing official. They signed him to a one-year deal. My statement to it was that I didn't think the signing of Kareem Hunt 
had to mean that Jerome Ford was going to, you know, just be nothing. It was more that you have a back that has familiarity with the system, with the players, with the team. And that makes all the sense in the world instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole type of situation. And I also assume that Jerome Ford would still be the guy. It was all but confirmed. Stavansky reiterated uh, on Wednesday that Jerome Ford is their lead back and that Kareem Hunt is going to be a complimentary back. So I know I think you're alluding to maybe talking about it later. I don't know if you meant here, but, you know, we've got these finalities that are out there and there might be some people that are like, oh, my God, I spent $80, 80% and Kareem Hunt comes in. I mean, how do you think this is going to play out as far as um, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt? Um, well, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a platoon like we saw before um, when Kareem Hunt first went there. I think, of course, you have to say Jerome Ford's the guy because you already made this decision when you cut, when you you know decided not to bring Kareem Hunt back. You already made this decision that you'd yeah. rather go with Jerome Ford. But what I found was curious is $4 million. $4 million? Like, that's a lot of money for a backup running back when the top end of the market outside of CMC is $11 million, and these guys are holding out to point. get to that spot. Like, $4 million, $4 million is a decent salary for a running back in today's age. So that's a not-for-nothing contract in my mind. And, like, I think this could end up going, you know, full committee with, with Pierre Strong, you know, getting more and more involved as well. Um so yeah, I just uh, you know, here's a little little teaser. I am going to be down in when we talk about running backs, I am going to be down on Jerome Ford's ranking uh compared to our you know, compared to Jake as we do this. We compare Jake's rankings to ours and who are the guys that are the biggest difference makers. So I don't know if we want to oh, go into it all that. right now. But um yeah, but I just, you know, I just have my reservations about yeah, this whole backfield. I'm, I tried to be a little tentative. I didn't have a lot of spots where I had the potential to sign, um, to pick up Jerome Ford. The one was in the pentathlon league and just reminding people again, if, if anyone cares, it's five different formats. The main format though, being a super flex format. And we had already had Cooper cup out. I was aggressive in week one to a get, we needed a backup quarterback cause we had none. So the only one on the market was Zach Wilson, eh. but I, we, we got him. And then I decided to go 35% of our fab on Puka. And this is a shared team because it's a big dollar league with uh, Scott Bogman and I. Scott was a little tenuous about it. I'm like, trust me, let's just do it. We did it. So going into this week, that worked out. And we are okay with running back, but I still wanted to be kind of aggressive. We had about, we've only got about $36 left on our total fab. We decided to, and I told him, I said, we're not going to get him, but let's go 22. So we went 22 of 36, which is still a pretty high percentage of what we had left. But this was kind of taking, to try to take him off the market and see. And he went for 60, what, 66 more dollars than we paid for him. But <laughs> the reason I wouldn't, regardless if we had 100% of our money, I wouldn't have gone much more because I personally am pricing in a 15 touch Jerome Ford, not a, not a Nick Chubb, 22 to 25 carries a game, a 15 touch Jerome Ford, where you probably now with Kareem Hunt, you're probably going to get 10 touches and maybe you get a few Pierre Strongs. So I think this is semi to what you're alluding to. I think Jerome Ford can be 
a low end RB two on some given weeks, maybe even in spots I'm open to him being a, a mid RB two, but I do think it's at a it's a DeAndre Swift like smaller touch on what is probably a worse offense with now a player that know that you can immediately peg in with Kareem Hunt and to your point, pretty good money. That's that's not insignificant money of four million dollars. So I price him in as like a fifteen touch guy. We'll get Brandon's full take on it here in just a tiny bit because that's going to be a good rank debate and a lot is going to be told uh, this coming week. Uh, Saquon Barkley was in another big injury. We had the weirdest news where Dable was like, oh, we're not ruling him out. Yeah, you are. And and then they officially did. And they officially <laughs> yeah, did today here on Wednesday. The silliest thing on the planet is to think that on short rest, Saquon was going to play. But what it did do is it opened up the opportunity because Saquon felt better we might see Saquon in week four. There's a real possibility. Probably not. If you want to be a realist realist about it, probably week five at best here. That does open up Matt Breida. I don't know if you have any thoughts on um, getting your thoughts on Matt Breida. Now we know. I mean, it's against the Niners. It's not a good matchup, but you know, I don't know how aggressive anybody wanted to be on him in general, but are you a Breida guy or no? I mean, he's, uh, I think I have him priced as a back end RB3 kind of in that, in that mid thirties range. Um, so I don't, I just don't love the matchup. Um, yeah, it's, I think this could be another crap show for the giants. Like it was 40 to nothing against the Cowboys. I, Dan, Danny dimes looked bad for the first half of last week too. Like he's got one good half of football, but I think we could see two more bad ones coming. And so I'm generally going to be staying away. Yeah, and the Niners got kind of squeezed. I mean, they almost let that game go against the Rams. I think that defense is going to be a little bit more aggressive out for blood. They got really killed on the outsides, which I don't think the Giants are going to be able to do. And if you got a lot of, you know, um, tuck it and try to run, you're going to have Fred Warner probably locked up in a spy situation with Daniel Jones. So they're going to have to be super effective. But I think the Niners defense is going to want to lock some down after what was not the best performance last week. So I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, speaking of the Rams, according to uh, NFL insider Jordan Schultz, several teams checked in with the Rams on Cam Akers. These teams included the Bucks, the Ravens, the Raiders, and the Browns were in there. We can probably cross the Browns out. There's probably a super sleeper, sneaky team that's floating out there. But very interesting that the Bucks still may be trying to get a complimentary back to Rashad White, not trying to get a full go. The Ravens, you could see obvious need, but I think that's just gross in general. The Raiders, maybe just, you know, I mean, negative yards for Josh Jacobs. I don't know. Who knows what the hell that is? There's also the scenario here because there's like, I believe it's like one and a half million left still due on his contract for the rest of the year. That if a team is not willing to just take all the money or whatever the cap situation is, if teams are just trying to lowball, the team might just say, screw it. We're just going to cut him and this is the situation and he could still be released. But are you holding out hope, I guess, is the question for Cam Akers to find whether he's released or traded, that he's going to find a destination where he can have any remaining value? Yeah, I have one team that I have Cam Akers on. I have not cut him loose. I think you kind of owe it to yourself if you can afford to keep him on your bench to see where he lands. Like, if he went to Baltimore, like, I could talk myself into seeing him as the lead back there. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure they love Gus Edwards being their lead guy. I think they might like him being their complimentary, like, you know, uh, high-profile backup uh, role there, like he always has been. I mean, I don't love 
I don't love the other spots that you mentioned there in Tampa. Like, I don't want to mess no. up with Rashad White after Rashad White showed some signs of life last week. But in Baltimore, I, I could be interested, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut him loose if that were the case. I just want to see where he ends up. So it sounds like, you know, we could find resolution on this in the next week to 10 days. And if that's the case, then I'm Yeah, it, I'm it seems out. like that's the case. And, you know, overall positive thing for Kyron Williams, just continuously moving forward, pretty high-ranked player this week. And he gets to be the guy. He gets to be the guy. Uh, a couple other just quick injury ones. Jamal Williams is going to be, according to Adam Schefter, is going to be out for uh, the immediate future. And it looks like uh, Kendra Miller is going to be active this week. Tony Jones scored a couple touchdowns. He seems like he's going to be a vultury, sneaky guy. We're one week away from Kamara. So Kendra Miller is going to get a one-week audition, it seems like, to some degree. I think you kind of feel like, oh, he's going to get the go. I don't think so. I think Tony Jones. And here's the other thing I think. I think Taysom Hill is going to – I actually, if he qualified at running back, I'd have put him on this list because we saw Taysom get a ton of carries. I'll bet you he does it again. I'll bet you he has double-digit carries. You're going to see Tony Jones in short yardage, and you'll get a dose of Kendra Miller because Jamal Williams is going to be out. Are you, would you even play Miller or Jones this week, knowing Taysom is probably going to be the annoying guy? Yeah, I don't have either of them ranked as even in the top 36. So um, I would not be playing them. Uh, I like your Taysom Hill call. He does qualify a tight end. And, I mean, with what's lined up for him, he's a nice tight end play this week. I have him ranked. I don't know if I have him in my top 12 tight ends, but if he's not in my top 12, he's in my top 15. So um, I think... And, and, you know, and at a certain point, you just roll that upside because he has more upside on that back end of that group than the, the, most of the back ends of those top nine uh, carries, nine carries class. for 75 so, yards last week. Taysom had, I think you're probably yeah. something along the lines of, I guess for some reason, I thought there were more carries. Um, you're probably along the lines of seven, uh, six to 10 carries somewhere in there. Tony Jones probably gets another six to 10 carries and Kendra Miller probably has another six to 10 touches, you know? So if, you know, if you're going to do something like that, it's, it's kind of well, diversified across the board. Well, I think the best thing about all of this is if you have Alvin Kamara, like this is a perfect three weeks for you. Like Jamal Williams didn't do any kind of establishment of, you know, and just put up a bunch of production. Kendra Miller, you know, he's been out, so he hasn't had a chance to flash and, his first game, he's probably splitting. So there's going to be no one that is really staking a flag in that backfield while Kamara is out. And so that just really opens the door for when Kamara returns in week four, that it's his, that it's, you know, he's the lead guy once again. And there was, I guess you could worry a little bit that there people, someone would have done enough there that it's like, okay, you're going to be a 12 to 14 touch guy because we're going to split stuff. But I think, you know, it's back to. I will say Jake show. has Tony Jones at 35 on his ranks this week, and Kendra Miller okay. is 45. So, kind of baking in that Miller's going to be the main go. Um, I do want to look where he has Taysom Hill because he's got Taysom at 15 as well. I'm, man, it's going to be really tough. I'm looking at like the rank. It's going to be tough to get Taysom inside the top 12, but there's a definite possibility. Deep league play, dual tight end leagues. This is a great week to start Taysom Hill for sure. Um, somewhere inside that top 15. Like he's got him right above Kincaid, which is kind of interesting. So I think he's an easy top 16. So you guys are in lockstep. I'm, yeah, sorry. I'm just, I'm scrambling to, to pull up my rankings here. I had rest of season rankings sitting up there. So yeah, I am at, uh, I'm actually at 16, but you know, 
I got a couple guys that I'm I got a I got a tight end sleeper I have in front of him that I don't know if I'd actually make that decision if it was my actual fantasy team, but it's kind of one of those things that I'm putting myself out there for a for yeah. a guy. But yeah, Taysom's is one of the if there was a week to play him because that's a problem with rostering him. I just don't see the weeks to play him. This would be the week with him getting some run at running back, a little bit you know catching out of the backfield. Be on the lookout for that. Kendra Miller not starting. Tony Jones might be a desperation play. Only other thing I want to tell you was Christian Watson did get some individual drills in here on Wednesday. That's a good sign because there's plenty of players. Like Amari Cooper did not practice on Wednesday. That doesn't necessarily mean any type of death witch uh, or anything like that. But getting Christian Watson doing even just individual drills on Wednesday, that's a very positive sign that we might get him back for the Packers this week. And, um, you know, whatever that's going to do to your Luke Musgraves or your uh, Jaden Reeds or anything like that. So let's take a look at our ranks. These are essentially become Brandon and I's favorite players versus where Jake has got them positive or negative. Let's start with quarterbacks. Let's focus on your number one, because you and I actually have a shared love here on a guy love. I loosely use. Yeah. I caught myself as soon as I said it, Brandon, I was like, don't love, but it's a good matchup. (laughs) And it seems like a really good play uh, versus where Jake has him. But I really like this one that you've got. And uh, I don't actually know why I didn't pick this one up either. But coming in at a deeper league QB1 for you and a not 20 quarterback for Jake is Matthew Stafford. So you can give the actual numbers and your take. Jake is completely out on Stafford, it looks like, this week. Um, So uh, where do you have him? Yeah, I have him at 14. Jake has him at 21. I I look at a quarterback who I've watched for two weeks in a row now look really good. and that's the thing. Like, when you get a guy like Puka Nakua who can run solid routes and he's got good hands and he's got some size, like, Matt Stafford can still sling the ball. You know, he's always had one of the best arms in the NFL. When he's healthy, he knows the system inside and out. He's had the second most pass attempts so far, the third most passing yards. The only reason he's down in fantasy right now is because he hasn't put up passing touchdowns. And touchdown passing TDs, kind of fickle, you know, Give him two this week instead of zero, and that changes your fantasy outlook a lot. But I like the volume. The other thing I like is Cincinnati is like fourth lowest pressure rate. They have not been getting after the quarterback. So he plays on Monday night. You know, I expect him to have some time to throw the ball, and he can dissect you with, with this offense. He knows it like the back of his hand now, and I just I'm like, look at it. I, I'll take the volume. I'll take a matchup that I think is – is not going to crush him, and um, just from what I've seen so far, to me that's top fifteen this week. I don't see him outside. I couldn't the top agree with you more. Uh, Cincinnati actually giving up—it's only two games—but giving up the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks so far through the first two weeks, twenty-one point seven. Only the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Eagles have actually given up uh, more. It looks like. Bengals have given up three passing touchdowns to one interception. They're actually giving up a lot on the ground. I actually think they are, based off their matchup, yeah, they've given up the most rushing yards to quarterbacks on the ground. That doesn't really mean anything here, but I'm with you on the Stafford side. Uh, what I do think is interesting, we don't have Jake here to do it, but you know he's got Matthew Stafford at 21 against a team that's giving up a lot of fantasy points uh, to quarterbacks, and he has Puka at 14 and Tutu Atwell at 35. So you, he's got two starting wide receivers in fantasy from the Rams, yet Stafford is not a even top 20 quarterback. Now, I know he is way out on Higby. He's way out on Higby right now, and that might be part of it, but 
Tutu Atwell's looked pretty good. They did a good job against the 49ers, and Puka's a monster. I don't know, man. I don't. I I have a hard time seeing him outside the top fifteen. So I'm really with you on this one, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I'm very curious on Nakua. Like I, I obviously he's not going to be he's not going to be a secret to these def- this defense this week. So I'm just curious if he gets doubled, if he gets bracket treatment, if they try to do anything. I think Stafford is going to be okay if that's the case. Atwell's popped enough. Maybe they can you know use Van Jefferson go deep a couple times i'm just out on van Me jefferson too. though i like I, you know people tried to push the, that narrative this year say like guys like that they have to have already kind of you know popped by now it's like you can't keep giving them opportunities and saying it's well it's just they gave it to tutu like, was the thing like yeah, i thought if the rams are a bad team and yeah. they're playing from behind who's the guy that can stretch the field oh it's van jefferson but guess what they have found really effective ways to make turn even though puka is not necessarily playing the cuff role because puka's playing more outside than inside but they can they use puka like they do cooper cup he's getting the volume but they're also doing that without well like they did a really good job last week against the niners on just doing these like 10 yard out quick outs to guys like Atwell and cor- the niners cornerbacks were giving a little bit too much separation and i think if you well and that's kind of the bread and butter of this offense is those those ten quick, yeah. those quick hitting 10, 15 yarders, where that's not Van no. Jefferson's game, and you know it kind of you need a, almost a, a change of offensive philosophy going into this one if you if you're gonna be looking to go to yeah, Van and, Jefferson and you a lot. like those type of guys, the Van Jeffersons, the Gabe Davis or whatever, like they work when there is a fear inside. But like the 49ers said, all right, if you're gonna beat, you can beat us with Puka and Tutu. You're t- you can keep doing your ten yard outs and stuff all you want, but you're not gonna ever beat us deep, and they didn't. And I just think teams are going to continuously do that. So yeah, Van Jefferson's just kind of out. Well, just to that point, if 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 they have to pivot because like Puka is being you know getting more attention than before, I think the pivot is to probably to I do too. Like I do. You and it's, you and I are. I feel bad. You and I are like complete. I don't mean to gang up on Jake. I'm completely with you. I feel like Tyler. This is the Tyler Higby week. If it is, it could be. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't hate it. Honestly. More of it's more likely to be. Yeah. So the other guy. So this is the guy that you. This is the guy that I marked here, and you were in agreement with me, and you're actually a little bit higher than I am. Jake has got Dak Prescott at 15 this week. I have him at 12. I might actually might have him at 11 now. You have him at 10, and my argument is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Obviously, like Tony Pollard can be dominant and do what he does all the time, but the Cardinals third most points. Two quarterbacks they're giving up fantasy-wise. They are giving up, I believe it is, I mean, teams haven't really had to deal with it, but they're giving up, I think, the 11th most passing yards. They have given up, what is this, 40, they have let 45 completions to 68 pass attempts uh, overall, which is a crazy percentage. Over 500 yards passing. They're actually doing it on the ground as well. It's another one of those teams. Three passing touchdowns. Dak isn't great, but Dak has receiving weapons. He can throw to Pollard. You've got CeeDee Lamb is going to toast this defense this week. And the Cardinals, though they have played better, they're still not a good team. This is a double digit. This is the highest uh, percentage difference uh, spread number this week. I think it's at 12 right now. And I just don't, I don't see how Dak, unless Tony Pollard puts up a three touchdown rushing game, I don't see how Dak walks out without two passing touchdowns and 250 yards. And I'm not making him out to be a QB four or five, but I think those guys between 12 and 
15. I mean, I'm looking at like the Geno Smiths, the Brock. I mean, I like Brock Purdy a lot. Russell Wilson, um, Deshaun Watson. Dak has got one of the best matchups. So I see him as a easy QB one this week. And you agree. Yeah, I, I have him at quarterback 10 and you mentioned the 250 and two. Well, that's exactly what he did last week. He did 255 oh, yeah. and two against the Jets. And I'm like, I feel like that's his floor. And week one, he did nothing. But you know what? They were ahead 16 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. They were ahead 26 to nothing at halftime. There was a mercy rule in the NFL game. They wouldn't even have played the second half. But, you know, like that was a 40 to nothing game. Of course, she wasn't going to throw. Of course, they the defense took care of everything and the, the running backs, you know, mopped up anything else. But like that just wasn't a game. I don't give Arizona credit. They've been yeah, they competitive have. in games so far. They're not a good team. But I, I expect them to look better than the Giants did in week one. I think there'll be just enough competition there that Dak is compelled to, like you say, come out with a, a 250 and two kind of game. It feels like a four. Yeah, they definitely, like, they look like the competitive bad team. Like, when bad teams are semi competitive, that's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Let's go over to running backs here. The big running back differences. You've got a couple versus Jake Ranks. I've got one. So um, you can tackle them one by one, however you want to do it. Uh, let's start with this first one with Josh Jacobs, who's coming off of a just a horrible performance. I mean, negative yards is tough to do. Receive or rushing, uh, receiving wasn't the case. But J- it, this is a battle of how f- much of a RB one this player is. But you guys definitely seem like you're in a kind of a tier difference. You got five. This is you both of them as top five or top ten running back, but you are five spots different. So that's a pretty wide gap for that small of a RB1. So let's hear about Jacobs. Yeah, well, it's just the best matchup on paper in the league. And look at, I mean, are we are we going to live in the in the in the recency bias of one week, you know, where he had nine carries or minus 2 yards? Or are we going to remember that this guy was basically number 1 in fantasy at the running back position last year? Things haven't changed that much. The Steelers are giving up two running backs over 6 yards per carry. Um so I think this is going to be the game where Jacobs and I think this is going to be like two teams going at each other on the ground because and I'll throw in one of my other ranking disparities with Jake and that's Jalen Warren, who I've been watching. He kind of is dominating now in the passing game role out of the backfield, taking that over from Najee. And he's also getting a little bit more run on the ground. When I watch him, he shows me a little bit more juice, but the Raiders giving up 5.3 yards per carry to the running back position. So I actually think Jalen Warren, I think his role continues to grow. And he's at wide receiver tw- or running back 29 for me this week. Jake has him at 40. I, I think Jalen Warren's a, a solid RB3 this week. And I have Josh Jacobs as a top five running back. Um, I will add my Jerome Ford take here. I have him at 26 this week. I think Jalen Warren could be really close to Jerome Ford. Jake has him at 18. Uh, first of all, do, do you know that Jerome Ford leads all NFL running backs in carries of two yards or less of his 31 carries? I'd have guessed that was Najee Harris, by the 19 way. So sorry, of, re, redo the stat because I don't want uh, to jump over, yeah. but I would have guessed Najee Harris. So, but. Okay. Carries of two yards or less. Jerome Ford, out of his 31 carries, has 19 carries of oh. two yards or less. It's like a 62% rate. So those 19 carries have equaled five yards. If he had he had the 69 yard run, you take that away, he averages 2.3 yards per carry for the other 30 carries. So you can't take it away because it counts in fantasy. But like that's 
he has been he has been a ham and egger other than that and i you know that's why i think we're going to see cream hunt get mixed into there a, a bit and we're going to see pierre strong as well but um and cleveland has tennessee tennessee you can throw on but they are number one in the league in uh they have the lowest yards per carry rate allowed to running backs so um they are at two point two point six four yards per carry allowed to the running back position. They have not given up a hundred yards on the ground total through two games to the running I'm, back position. I'm, so there you go. I just hate the matchup. Yeah, as well. the matchup is brutal for Ford. I guess I'm like a, I feel like I'm a tiny bit more optimistic because I don't know how much Kareem Hunt takes over this week. And I suppose you could see a lot more Pierre Strong. But boy, I gotta tell you, like the J the Jalen Warren one, I couldn't be more on with you. I mean, I'm lockstep with you on that one. I mean, it is a fantastic matchup. So that's probably my biggest agreement. I'm a little bit tenuous, even though the matchup is really good with Josh Jacobs. And I guess I'm holding on a little bit more optimism for Jerome Ford, but I didn't hear that stat. That's a fascinating stat. The most two yard or less runs in the NFL. I think if you just went into like a bar and just threw that out there, I I think it would take a long time before anybody would come up with that answer because it's it kind of like it's weird to think that he's already had enough carries to be a leader in that <laughs> yeah. department, but he has, you know, <laughs> fifteen plus. But I can guarantee you, games, anybody so that like pays attention to fantasy, the first thing they would have said was Najee Harris. Like I said, they would have been like Najee Harris, right? Because everybody's right. like, Ooh. yeah, it's not like not Najee's not killing it. By the way, I actually think Najee is like sixty-eight percent, but he's only had like sixteen carries, so I think he's at eleven carries or 11 carries with two yards or less out of his 16 total carries, yeah. which is off. And he, I mean, you know, he just, yeah, the there's also a big difference. I was, I was actually talking with, um, uh, Scott Bogman mentioned again here, cheap plug for him. Um, I would, cause he's a Steelers fan. And I was like the one thing, cause he's a very, like, he's, he's a pretty hardcore apologist to Najee Harris, but even he agreed with me. I said, I don't think you can fully disagree at this point that when you go and look, at these two running backs, Jalen Warren is more explosive. He is a more explosive. He like, there's yeah. something about Bijan Robinson. When you watch him that he doesn't look like a lot of other backs in the NFL. Jalen Warren has that. There's a clear difference of Najee Harris kind of looks like a, he just falls into the line, hoping to find a spot. Jalen Warren is looking for the spot and making things happen to get that spot in. So I guess I view him a little bit different and it really does look like he's going to be able to get a big uptick here moving forward. Uh, my guy, I, I don't know if I feel dominant about this one or anything like that, but I have him ranked way higher is Jameer Gibbs. I have at 10 and Jake has got at 16 and mine is really about no David Montgomery. No, I mean, obviously Greg Reynolds can come in and be annoying. You can see that happen, but you know they've continuously been moving Gibbs into a higher succession role. They, they want him to be more involved as far as, um, what the, the, you know, the lions are going up against, I just completely lost it. The lions are going up against the Falcons. Yeah. The Atlanta, the Atlanta yeah. Falcons. Atlanta is like a weird team, I suppose in general, because they're giving up the fourth le- least fantasy points to running back so far. But I really don't think that means a whole lot. I don't think they're a fantastic team. And Jameer Gibbs is going to be the volume play. I think you've got a little bit of banged up, by the way, going on with Jared Goff. Or not with Jared Goff, with Amon Ross St. Brown currently. And I also think this is a game that the Lions can get up and can get up quick. And then what are you going to do? You're going to establish the run. This is the game where Jameer Gibbs gets to establish the run. I think this is 20-plus touches 
And I think against the Falcons with how he can be as a receiving back and him getting more bulk carries, I just think he's an easy RB1 this week. So I've got him at 10. Not saying there's this massive difference between um, Jake and I in this one, but I've got him at 10 for one of the very few, it seems like, volume running back plays this week. This isn't a Kendra Miller situation. I'm curious at where you are. Are you in between us, or are you more on Jake's side or mine? I am in between, but I'm more on Jake's side. I think, but this is a complete unknown to me. I, this is like, are we DeAndre Swift 2.0, and they've got a clear role for him, and nothing changes, even if the David Montgomery's out, then suddenly Craig Reynolds or somebody else getting a bulk of carries? Or is is this an opportunity for Jameer Gibbs and they're going to give him the opportunity? Like, that's what I'm just not sure of. I don't know. They've been using him more as a receiver. Um, and I'm just curious. I think it'll be a very telling week. And I think it's it's great for people that have Jameer Gibbs because I think you're going to know what you got after this week. I mean, this is an opportunity for him to get, should be 12 plus carries, should be 15. You know, it should be something like that. If he gets that, I think you feel good about him, especially if he shows out. And I think the more you give him the ball, the more likely that is to happen. So um, I want to see it. I'm with I, I I I would prefer it to be your side than you know, kind of a, a solid solid game, but on less touches than we hoped. I hopefully they they embrace him as yeah. The the guy. worry to the, the the definite worry that you could look at is this team goes oh you know we don't want to change Gibbs' role too much and we want to get like. You know, we saw Craig Reynolds, his first uh, run was this week, and he got like three carries. Gibbs has not crossed seven carries in a game, but he had seven receptions. So he technically went 16 touches in this last game, nine targets, seven carries. You push it to 20 here. Maybe he's a little bit less involved in the receiving side, but I think they're comfortable with 15 plus touches here. So I think you're 12 to uh, at least 12 to 15 carries if not more, but the worry would be like, oh, we just don't want his role to change. And we want, you know, him to keep doing his thing and Reynolds which just is, run. Which I never I get. Like give your give your most talented players the ball as Pretty many close. times as you can. Like that's just yeah. I mean please. All right. Yeah. Wide receiver yeah. ranks. Uh you got quite a few here. This is a good list. And you and I at the end we have a complete agreement again, though funny, you beat me on this one. I wanted to get him higher. Let's talk about some of these bad boys. One of the biggest ones is you're you're definitely not Still the biggest Deshaun Watson Stan, which I think I'm I'm currently winning our offseason debate on that, but it's only two weeks, so that thing can turn real quick. But Amari Cooper, <laughs> you're still you're still big on him. And you and Jake have got a pretty big differential where you have him as a wide receiver one this week, and Jake has almost pushed him to a wide receiver three. Yeah. Me at me at twelve, uh, Jake at twenty-three. And thankfully, this is like one of the first games on Sunday and there can be no reports uh, that he is going to sit out and then watch him, you know, screw people over on Monday night. So, uh, yeah, give me Amari Cooper at 12. I, I actually, you know, in that game against Pittsburgh, and we know he's not 100% healthy, he was he was solid. And I could kind of see the, the, the chemistry building throughout the night when, you know, Watson was looking to complete key passes. Cooper kept popping up. So um, it, was a, it was a solid night. And uh, so I just love the matchup. I talked about how I didn't like Jerome Ford's matchup because the Titans, you can't run on them. Well, you can throw on them. Uh, you can definitely throw on them. So I think the matchup's great. This is a guy who was the number eight receiver last year. I don't see any reason why he can't be a wide receiver one in this matchup uh, as well. So 
Give me Cooper at 12. Yeah, one thing I want to add with the Cooper, I actually like this Cooper one a little bit more because though I do think Deshaun Watson is never going to be a top 10 quarterback this year, um, or he might have a week or two, but not at the end of the season, I will say this. He has, it looks like he has serious trouble checking down and going through progressions, but boy, progression number one is Amari Cooper every single time. So like, even when he struggles, Cooper is his safety net at all times. I want it to be Eli Moore. It's not, it's not Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's not Njoku. It is Cooper is his safety net. I don't see him go to a third read. He goes one, maybe two, and Cooper is involved in that at all times. So that actually is a really big benefit to him. Uh, moving forward. These other names, you got a couple other ones in here. Uh, one I uh, one I really like, we're going to say for mine, but um, Addison, Jordan Addison, you've got 10 spots higher than Jake, and I am 100% with you on this. He is turning into a insanely viable option in Minnesota. The KJ Osborne versus him thing doesn't really exist, it seems. Yeah, because KJ Osborne is is getting, getting snaps still, but it's not the same as Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison is literally taking advantage of the attention of Justin Jefferson, exactly how I think they wanted it to play out. He's getting these big plays each week, uh, playing off of Jefferson, and he's scoring touchdowns. And now you get the best matchup in fantasy for a wide receiver in the Chargers. There's going to never be a game where a team comes in and says, we got to make sure we shut down Jordan Addison when Justin Jefferson's on the other side. So you can't shut them both down. You're, of course, you're going to lean your attention on Justin Jefferson. So Addison's getting these plays where he's been able to make some some big pops out of them. I think he's going to have a couple opportunities in this one to do the same thing he's done the last two weeks and maybe even more opportunities than he's seen. So I just like the upside. I honestly want to get as much in the passing games on both sides for, for that game. I just think it's it set itself up to be a game that's going to be played into the 30s. Yeah, I, I think a good way to say it, like real simplistic way, I, I I think I said this over the weekend, was that like Addison is now just a startable wide receiver three every week. Like, yeah. I don't think we have to have crazy debate about it. I mean, Jake doesn't have him as that. You could look at like, oh, maybe he slides a little bit. I think he's startable every single week with how that offense runs and the confidence level that Kirk Cousins has with him. And he looks explosive. Like, he'd look, if he was a number one, you know, in a, it, it's not Garrett Wilson like type of thing, but it's just like, there's a big talent there. And Justin Jefferson obviously is going to be a force, but he gets a lot of attention. Addison is just a starter week in and week out. I think it's a relative blanket statement. I am curious about this one. This is not a start wide receiver three, but this does align to flex Mm -hmm. is you guys have a really big differential between Adam Thielen. You've got him into the forties. Jake has him into the fifties. He kind of is the number one. Jonathan Mingo hasn't been anything in that uh, for that team. So is that kind of what this is about, that he's just still a number one on a team that is going to be forced to pass a lot because they're playing from behind? Yeah, it's, you know, in week one for Adam Thielen, he was hurt. He played, but he didn't really do a whole lot. But what we saw last week is uh, he, had a, he had a solid uh, amount of targets. He was kind of playing the possession game. He's, I believe, caught nine of 11 targets thrown to him by Bryce Young, but he's kind of, He's, he looked healthier last week, and you go against Seattle, and Seattle's where Puka Nakua, you know, was birthed in our in our minds, and it's you know Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Josh Reynolds. One thing about Seattle, and I know him very well because I watch him, you know, full games each week, is they give up that short stuff right in front of them, the quick slants and things like that. And I just think in the short and intermediate range where Adam Thielen can excel, like that's where Seattle generally gets hurt the most, and um, 
you know, they have good safety play. It's hard to kind of really beat them over the top a lot, but you can nickel and dime them. And I expect that to be the case. I just think it's going to be another kind of volume play we're feeling like last week where maybe it's like six catches for 55 yards, but a half PPR, that's probably wide receiver 43 at a minimum. I see that. The one that I've got on here, and I put him at 20. You've actually got him at 16. Jake has him outside of wide wide receiver two. It is Michael Pittman. And here's what's unique about Michael Pittman this week as well. I just don't think it matters which quarterback is in. I love Anthony Richardson. (laughs) It has not. And I think Anthony Richardson um, has proved to be a QB1. I think he is a lockstep, like, top 10 quarterback every single week kind of regardless of the matchup because of what he can do with his legs, but he's also thrown the ball really well and he's targeted Michael Pittman. But guess what? Gardner Minshew, it's even more of a, probably a easy reception play when he's in there. So much so that Michael Pittman has 23 targets through the first two games and has caught eight balls in each of those games. And one of those was without primarily Anthony Richardson. So now you take that and you move it over to Baltimore, who's giving up the second most receptions to wide receivers so far this year. And if Baltimore, who is a favorite, is up, this team is passing even more. They've been susceptible in the secondary. I just don't. I mean, I want to move Pittman up higher. I kind of probably will probably get closer to you. I just have a hard time moving him over some other guys. But I view, if you want to view this glob of players, as a guy that could be a wide receiver one this week, I think Michael Pittman can be a wide receiver one this week based on everything that I just said. You're in agreement because you've almost got him there. Jake is just not with us. Yeah, he is absolutely dominating target volume there. Like they're not throwing to the running backs a whole lot. You know, tight ends are, you know, there's just no one else that's really kind of even surfaced as a secondary threat there. I mean, they're all eyes are on on Michael Pittman right now. So the volume's huge. He's, he was like wide receiver 18 two years ago and wide receiver 23 last year. That is with the very old, the very past Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan. Like the, the quarterback situation's been terrible there the last two years. And yet Michael Pittman's been no worse than a wide receiver, too. Like I just think he's one of the more underrated wide receivers in fantasy. And I, you can argue that what he has at quarterback, whether it's Richardson or Gardner Minshew, is an upgrade over what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree. I think that's kind of, and it's funny, you and I have two that we are against Jake on here, and we'll have to see how it all plays out. You guys can see where you are up against Jake, and you can yell and scream at him, and also just remember to like give him all the accolades when he is right about the things in the comments. Don't just yell and be mean. All right, so those are our wide receivers, but we got a tight end sleeper coming in this week for Mr. Brandon Funston, so who are we playing? Yeah, Besides uh, I'm going to go to my... My Washington Husky roots here with Cade Otten, who I liked kind of at the beginning of the year just because Baker Mayfield, I liked uh, that, you know, there's no Cameron Brait there anymore. You're not dealing with any other noise at tight end. Cade Otten's the guy. He had six catches last week, and now you get Philadelphia, who has given up by far through two weeks the most fantasy points to the tight end position. So I haven't ranked tight end 14 this week, but if you are in the pool, you know, you know, fishing in the stream for tight ends, I think he's a guy that – probably can pull out of most leagues off the waiver wire and plug in this week. I think he'll have a decent day. That's a pretty great name. Whether we are against Jake or not, whether you are against Jake or not, you can check out all of his ranks over at the athletic uh, suggestion. You can obviously go to theathletic.com. You can search his name, fantasy football ranks, but you can also find him on Twitter at all in kid. And there is his article right there. You can click through. If you're not subscribed, you can easily do it. I think you guys still have the buck a month thing going on. If not, it's usually like two bucks. It's a great deal. It doesn't matter. 
get set up for it, lock in. You'll get his waivers, his ranks. Those ranks kind of get updated all the way up until kickoff. There's a bunch of stuff in there. So go and subscribe today. I highly suggest it. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. We got two a week, waivers on Tuesdays, ranks on Thursdays. You can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funson. You can follow me at Is It The Welsh. Bring up any questions. Glad to help. Good luck in your week three. We got more coming next week. That's it for the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, friends. Bye.